Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another 12 Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's Word one verse at a time. Is there any argument more powerful than the one that silences your opponents? In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus goes to battle verbally with the Pharisees. There are numerous clashes that take place between Jesus and the religious leaders of Israel now that Jesus has entered Jerusalem. Don't forget that Jesus is in the last week of his life. This is the Passion Week. He knows what is coming. He is going to be facing the cross. And he knows that the very leaders who are supposed to be shepherding the people of Israel are the ones who are going to put him on the cross. And as Matthew records it in his gospel, after a long series of these barrages of questions that were not really questions intended to learn anything from Jesus, but they were questions from the religious leaders intending to trick Jesus, intending to make him stumble over his words in front of the crowd, or perhaps utter blasphemy, or entrap him in some way, Jesus answers all of these religious leaders with a single question. In Matthew 22, verse 42, Jesus asks them this, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. Now this answer from the Pharisees is an extremely interesting answer, because from it, Jesus is going to ultimately silence every argument that has been put up against him. And to do this, Jesus refers back to the very person that the Pharisees say the Christ, the Messiah, will descend from, King David. So the Pharisees clearly understood the prophecies of the Old Testament, that the Messiah, the Christ of Israel, would ultimately come from the line of King David. But see, the problem is that the Pharisees were looking for the wrong kind of Messiah. They were looking for a political Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah that was going to set up a great kingdom on this earth. They were not seeing the Messiah as someone who was going to come and deal with man's sin problem. They did not see the Messiah as the end of the sacrificial system, the great high priest, the one who would set up a permanent relationship between God and man, where man and God could fellowship without this barrier of sin in between them. What they were looking for was someone who was going to set up Israel's power permanently. They wanted to be the reigning, dominating kingdom on earth. But Jesus, who has continually talked about being from his Father, doing the work of his Father, doing the will of his Father, how he has come to set up a kingdom, but not the same kingdom that man is looking for, turns the tables on this entire question. Because Jesus is from the line of David, so Jesus does fulfill the requirements to be the Christ. But clearly he's been rejected by them because he's not this polarizing political leader. He's coming with a message of humility. He's coming with a message of repentance. He's coming with a message that says, you have to lay down everything and serve me and follow me. He's coming to make disciples. They were looking for someone who was coming to make princes. 
They didn't understand that the mission of Jesus, the mission of the Messiah, was going to be one of reconciliation between God and his children before it would be the elevation of his earthly kingdom. They had it backwards. And so Jesus takes their answer, and he asks them a question that shouldn't be too difficult to answer in the following verses. And yet it stumps them utterly. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? See, what Jesus was doing was he was juxtaposing the concept of earthly monarchy and heavenly monarchy. A king would never, ever refer to his son as Lord. The son of the king may refer to his father as Lord, but the father would never refer to his son with that kind of title unless something else was at play. And so when Jesus asks the Pharisees, how could David call the Christ Lord if the Christ is the son of David? You see, the obvious answer was that what David was writing was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so when he penned these words, he understood the concept that the Christ, the permanent king that would come from his line, was of divine nature. And the Pharisees understood this too. They understood it because they didn't respond. It was the argument that ended all arguments. It silenced them permanently. Because Jesus had shown that they understood the scriptures enough to understand that David the king would never have referred to anyone as Lord except for one who was divine. And so if his offspring was referred to as Lord, if this one that was going to come from his line that would sit on his throne was referred to by him as Lord, it meant that David knew that this person, this coming king, was going to be of divine nature. And when Jesus confronted the Pharisees with this, they understood that they had only two options. To answer him and acknowledge that he was correct, and that King David did indeed understand that the Christ was also going to be divine. However, if they acknowledge this, then Jesus' immediate follow-up answer is, How do you not believe the words of your King David? How do you not see that I am the fulfillment of all that he said? How do you not worship me as the divine Christ, the son of David? And so they answered nothing because there was nothing for them to say. Their silence became a deafening rejection of the Christ, the Messiah, the son of God, of the line of David, who was the eternal king that had come to sit on the throne of Israel forever. But he wasn't what they wanted. They wanted a political Messiah. They didn't want a humble Messiah. They didn't want a lowly Messiah. They didn't see themselves as sinners in need of salvation. And so they rejected the Messiah that had come to them. Now, oftentimes in the modern day, we hear things like, Jesus didn't give any proof of the fact that he was God. Well, we know this simply isn't true. Not only did Jesus say he was God, not only was he witnessed with the Father's public acknowledgement resting upon him at his baptism and at the transfiguration, not only did he do incredible, mighty miracles that only the hand of God was capable of doing, 
especially controlling evil and demonic spirits and the weather and healing illnesses the way he healed illnesses. There was nothing like him. No one had ever seen anything like this. He also taught with authority. And in the end, he ultimately silenced all of his critics because his wisdom was so far beyond the wisdom of those who should have been the wisest people in Israel, the people who should have had the most understanding of the Old Testament prophecies, the people who should have had all of the answers when it came to looking for the Messiah, were silenced by Jesus of Nazareth, a simple carpenter's son from the -the out-of-the-way town of Nazareth who had no formal pharisaical training, who wasn't regarded as an intelligent person or a person of power or anyone who should have been able to silence an entire collection of religious leaders who had dedicated their entire lives to studying the scriptures. And yet, when met with his divine wisdom, they were unable to answer even a word because they knew they could not say anything without either repenting or condemning themselves. And so they did what we would expect them to do. They attempted to destroy him. They lashed out in anger, seeking to take his life and to rid themselves of his nuisance. And this is the same response that we see to Jesus today. There are those who ignore Jesus. There are those who accept Jesus. And then there are those who are so offended by Jesus and his teaching that they seek to destroy anything and anyone who is aligned with Jesus. You see, so long as Jesus was just a simple teacher who gathered a few crowds here and there, he was no threat. But once they recognized that he was the Messiah they all should have been looking for, yet either failed to recognize or rejected, then he became a problem. Because he forced them to look into the mirror of their own sin. He forced them to see the fact that they needed to make a change within their hearts. That all of their piety, all of their rule following, all of their human righteousness was insufficient in God's eyes because they were driven by selfish motivation. He exposed their wickedness. And when he exposed their wickedness, they did not repent. Instead, they lashed out in hatred and anger. But before they were able to lash out in hatred and anger, They were first silenced utterly by their run-in with divine wisdom. And this is what happens with the truth. The word of God is truth. The words of Jesus are truth. And just like light will always overcome the darkness, so truth, especially divine eternal truth, will always overpower falsehood. Jesus was the son of David. And in the spirit, David understood that the son of David, the Christ, was his Lord, because the Christ was divine. The Pharisees should have had the same understanding, but because they were hardened in their hearts, and because they were seeking only their own glory, and because they wanted power and riches for themselves and were not interested in advancing the kingdom of God on earth, they rejected the Messiah, and they put Jesus on the cross, and they killed him just a few days after this exchange. But their argument against Jesus had been forever silenced by divine wisdom. And to this day it remains silenced. Because the scriptures can never be broken. The scriptures stand forever. And in the scriptures, as he was guided by the Holy Spirit, David addressed his son, the Christ, as Lord. 
because he knew that his son, the Christ, would be divine. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries and the work that we are doing to train youth ministry leaders to bring the gospel to young people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.